to be able to share with you just for a few moments around something that's really, really important. And we've got a two-week series, and it's called RSVP. I don't know whether you've ever been, to, um, been invited to a wedding or, or a party, and oftentimes they'll put on the bottom of the, the invitation these four letters, RSVP. I think we're all aware that they're from the French, reply, s'il vous plaît. And, uh, you know, which pleases basically say, sorry, responde, yeah, sorry, responde, si vous plaît. Okay. And basically what it means is, please respond, please reply. It's as a result of an invitation. And uh, over these two weeks, what we're wanting to do is just talk about the whole purpose of us gathering together at times like this. It's not just so that we can enjoy ourselves and we can have a great time. And we want to do that. We want to just engage with God and engage with others. We, will, we also want to create an environment where you can comfortably and confidently invite and bring your friends. If you're here this morning, it's your first time amongst us. We want you to feel comfortable and we want you to engage with what's going on with. And we try and purposely set ourselves up so we become relevant to those who may not go to church normally. And on the back of this series, what we did a few weeks ago, we actually put a survey out. Some of you responded to that. Many of you did. And uh, there was just two questions on that survey. And really what we was asking was, why did you start attending Arena Church? Why did you first attend Arena? And there was a couple of comments that caught my attention as I read through the cards. Somebody wrote, they were curious. And then somebody told them that you will love my church and there's no other church like it. And as a result of that, that person came. If that's you this morning, we're so glad that you came. We're so glad that you've made this your home. There's somebody else who wrote a little bit sadder. My life was falling apart. And I came because I needed to find a reason to keep going. When we looked at that survey, it was interesting to see the comments. But what I was really fascinated by, that when we drove the figures down, and of, out of all those scores of people that responded, and there literally were scores of, scores of cards that came in, that when we added them all together, we were trying to understand how many came as a result of an invitation or being brought. 69%. Of those who were surveyed said they came as a result of being invited or brought along. I think that's huge. We see the power of an invite. We see the power of somebody actually connecting with somebody and inviting them to church. Or inviting them to an event that church may be putting on. And the reality is we're coming up to a season that... It's much more easier to engage with people and invite people. And what I'm talking about is what Josh has already mentioned about. It's called Christmas. And towards the end of the message, I'll just mention a couple of things that I think it would be good as an application for us to connect with. But the reality is here in Arena Church, we have a passion, not just to care for those who are already here, but also to care for those who aren't yet here or who are new here. See, our heart is not just to look after those who are part of Arena Church, but our eyes are much bigger and much greater because as we look out across the area, as we look out across the town, as we look out across the region, we literally see thousands of people who are not yet connected, who have no understanding of Jesus, the true Jesus, and yet they're living hopeless 
and aimless lives. And I love the fact that we here at Arena Church have a passion to reach out to people. I want to applaud you guys for the way that you connect with people, for the way that you bring people week after week. Some of you here are superb bringers. Some of you have a gift in connecting and inviting people. Some of you have literally brought scores of people over the course of the year. They may not all be here now, but you've brought people. You've invited people. And I just want to say thank you so much. You know who you are for all that you do in terms of inviting people. But the challenge is that every one of us, whether we're good at this or whether we're bad at this, every one of us need to do better in this. Every one of us needs to have a heart to connect with people who are far away from God. The reason why I say that is because it's at the very heartbeat of God. I want to just read something from the Gospel of Mark. It's found in in chapter 16 and verse 15. And it says there, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Just for a moment, we'll keep it on there because there's two important words that start with the word every. He says there that we should go everywhere and tell the good news to everyone. Everybody say everywhere and everybody say everyone. And it's our responsibility, not my responsibility, only my responsibility as one of the pastors of this church, but the the instruction is to everyone to go to everyone, everywhere, and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, the very heart and center of God, the message of God, if you are new here, or if you've been coming a thousand years, it can be summed up in just a couple of simple sentences. The mission of God, the heartbeat of God, is for God to get reconnected with man. The heart of God is for God to reach out to lostness and brokenness and bring them back to himself. People try to get all complicated about God and all the the mission of the church. It's as simple as that. And you know the way that he does that? He does that through you and I. Because God's heart is to connect with lost people. I love Jesus and the way that he operated in his earthly ministry. There's a very significant um, passage of scripture and it's found in the gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament for those who may not know. And Jesus for 30 some years walked around on planet earth, you know, born of a virgin, grew up to be a man. And there was a three year plus ministry that he had in that region that he operated in. And over that time, he was forever trying to get a message out that would then not just be the message for them, but would be the message for the rest of the ages. It was a message for the church. And that's where we take our, 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 our instruction from, in essence, from what Jesus had to say and what the, what the early founders of, of the New Testament church wrote, instruction inspired by God. And the reason why I say all that is because there's a very important chapter in Luke chapter 15. It's very important because I really think it's really at the very heartbeat of God. Because in in that chapter, Jesus begins to tell some stories about lostness. 
He begins to tell stories about lostness. He tells a story about a lost coin. He tells a story about a lost sheep. He tells a story about a lost son. And he's talking about lostness. He's communicating the Father's heart into the world. And this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 15 and verse 3 to 5. And this is what he says. Then Jesus told them this parable. Who were them? It was the religious people of the day. They were wanting to find out more about this Jesus. They didn't like Jesus, but they were intrigued by his message. And this is what he says. Suppose one of you, he tells a story about a shepherd and his sheep. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. And you lose one of them. Don't you leave the 99 in the open country and look at the language and go after, and go after the lost sheep until you find it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Just for a moment, Jesus is telling the story about lostness and he's basically saying there's a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he counts them one, two, three, four, five. Every day he's counting at night, one, two. We've got one missing. Oh no, what do I do? We're in the open country. There's wolves around, there's wild animals around that could, could come and attack these 99. Oh, I'll tell you what. I've still got 99. We'll look after the 99. We'll light a fire and we'll just take care and they'll be warm and they'll be cared for after the 99. We'll be safe with the 99. No, no, no. He looks at the 99 sheep and says, we're incomplete. We're incomplete because there's one that's lost. There's one that's out there who's, who's, who's probably doesn't know where he's going. There's one that's out there who's completely broken. There's one that could have broken its leg. There's one that could be in pain. There's one that's hurting. There's one that's aimless. And so he says, we'll make sure the 99 are cared for. But the mission of the shepherd is to go after the lost one. Many of you know I have four children. They're great kids. Some of them are here. Some of them are down in kids' church. It would be really, really crass and ugly of me if I said, well, we've got four kids. Me and Caroline went out and one of them went wandering. Lilia just went wandering and we lost her. And we then looked at one another and said, oh, no, we've lost Lilia. Oh, no. And we looked at the other three and we thought, but we've still got the other three. Get in the car, kids. And we'll just... Seems laughable. But that's the essence of what Jesus, do you understand when you really, that's what Jesus was basically saying. So churches cannot just exist for those who are here. Church needs to exist for those who are lost. Because the message of the gospel is good news everywhere to everyone. You see, God is distracted. You may say, really? Yeah, God's distracted this morning. He loves the fact, I think he, well he does, he loves the fact that it just so happens that it's me, he's preaching his message to people. He loves that. He loves the fact that there's, you know, people who've gathered this morning here, to, they've got out of bed and they've made it and they're here he, and we've worshipped his, his name. He loves that. He loves the fact that there's kids being taught and they're having a whole lot of fun in preparation for a great Christmas 
service that they're going to put on, I tell you what, it's going to be a cracker. You need to make sure you're here. It's always brilliant. And we need to encourage our kids more and more, don't we? About four of you believe that. We need to encourage our kids, don't we? And our grandkids. And we just want to be a blessing. So that's going to be absolutely, you know, fantastic. And he loves all of that. But God's distracted this morning. Because there's 99, there's more than 99 here. There's 99 sheep who are all safe and sound. But there's one that's lost. And he's distracted. Because he's distracted by that which is lost. If you're lost this morning, you can come back into Jesus. You you, You can know Jesus. And I'll give you an invitation at the very end. Now, I say all that, but I do need to underscore this. Because although I'm talking about reaching lostness, the reality is this world is very, very tough. It's been my joy recently, not just holiday-wise, but ministry-wise, to travel into the U.S., it's a different world. They have their own challenges. But running through that Bible belt, if anybody's ever been there, and it really is a Bible belt, there's just a residue of spirituality that still just weaves its way through many, many millions of people. I want to say here, I don't even like saying this, bearing in mind the power of our tongue, but we live in a very secular society here in the United Kingdom. People are very secular People are very skeptical. People are indifferent to church, to God, to anything. And that's the world in which we are seeking to build a church. I want to just remind for those who, who will grab this, Jesus said, I will build my church. Not just in America, not just in Australia, not just in Africa. He says, I will build my church and nothing will stop it. And I, for one, am believing for God to break out in the British Isles in this day across Europe, this dark continent of Europe. Again, for him to break out to the left and to the right and for him to do something amazing. But the reality is, it's a very, very tough environment that we're operating in. You see, people don't want religion and its rules. They don't want hypocrisy and fake. They want truth. They want truth. People are searching for truth. People are looking for this word, authentic. They're looking for authentic in whatever it is. It doesn't matter if it's authentic in religion. They, want the auth- they, don't, they don't want fake jeans, designer jeans. They don't want fake designer watches. They don't want fake. They want the real thing. Yes. Remember Coke? The real thing? Yes. They picked up on it years ago. They're way ahead of the church. People are looking for the real thing. And I believe, and I say this confidently, that we are the real thing. We're not the perfect thing, but we're the real thing. You're going to see us for all that we are. But I'll tell you what, we have a message, and it's a relevant message. It's a contemporary message. So how do we connect this indifferent world in terms of then connecting with lost people? Because it's tough, and I understand that. Well, I think there's a few answers, and we can find them in, in the Bible. So I'd like to just turn your attention just for a moment to Colossians in chapter 4. We're just going to read it together, because I think this is good counsel if we're going to begin to connect. We need to be wise. Everybody say, be wise. We need to be the wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. That's basically mean those who may not know Jesus, aren't in faith in Jesus. And we need to make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. There's a big challenge. Is our conversation always seasoned with salt? Do we give flavor? Do we give texture to the world? Or are we bland? Do we give color? I love spicy food. 
Oh yeah, put your hand up if you like spicy food. I love the old Tabasco on it and just to give it a bit of spice. I don't like bland food. I know some of you here, well, I want my potatoes and three veg and I want my meat and I don't like all that curry stuff and oh no, I don't like any of that. Well, that's fine if that's you. But I, I just believe that God wants us to have a bit of spice of life. He wants to have our conversation seasoned with salt. He wants us to bring color to people's lives and flavor to people. Do I get an amen in this place? <laughs> Why? So that you may know how to answer everyone. Great wisdom that's found in the Bible. So if we want to be confident in sharing we need to be wise we need to make the most of every opportunity we need to let our conversations be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that we can let people know the hope in which we enjoy here's another thing for us to think about because in this whole area of connecting with people I think it's important that we understand preparation is key and the bible says this that we need to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason, the hope you have. We need to always live with preparation. We need to prepare ourselves. So if we're going to connect with those who are indifferent, who are skeptical, who are suspicious, we need to make sure that we are preparing ourselves. We need to make sure that we're preparing our hearts. We need to make sure that we're preparing our minds. That we need to make sure that we're preparing our mouths so we can then give a reason. For the hope that we have. So there are three things that I just want to encourage us with in this whole thought of RSVP, inviting, connecting. I will get it right this time. Respond, AC vous play, okay? You know. Um, and we'll do it the Jesus way. So there's three things very simply that I want to say. First of all, that we need to connect with people. We need to connect with people. You may say that's so simple. Yeah, it is. But how many of us actually live it out? How many of us actually do it? On purpose. We connect with people. John Maxwell, who's a great leadership Christian leader, he said this, you've got to connect with people before you can correct people. You've got to connect with people before you can correct people. Listen to me this morning. If you've come in and you've come from, and let's be honest, many of us have come from, from this kind of environment. We were talking to somebody on Friday night, Caroline and I, and just, uh, you know, a coach in a, in a particular environment that we're in with the kids. And she was just intrigued by what we were doing here. And we were just talking to her a, a, a little bit about, about stuff. And, and I, I was saying to her, the reality is, you know, in, in, in our church, uh, there's, there's many, many broken people. She was like, really? She thought everybody who came here was perfect. I said, most people are really damaged gods. You know, the reality is you're looking at somebody who's damaged gods. We all are. We're all imperfect. But as I begin to talk with her, I begin to realize that actually my connection with her will then give me an opportunity to probably then bring correction. Because in all of our lives, there are things that need correcting. And you might be here this morning and you may say, well, I don't need anything correcting. Well, if you say that, I don't know what we do with you. Because I think the reality is we all know that we need correcting. 
We're all pretty broken. Some of us are more recovered than others. But the reality is, if we want to get to that point, we've got to connect with people. And Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and I've already read verses 3 to 5, but I'm going to read it from the message. Because as we look at this whole thought of connecting with people and doing it the Jesus way, this is what it says in, 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 in the message. I don't know whether we've got it. But it says this, by the time, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. Listen to that again. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. And they were listening intently. And the Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased at all. Let me just make this statement. Jesus had no problem with sinners. Sinners loved Jesus. They loved being around him. They loved engaging with him. The people who could not stand Jesus were the religious people. I have more issues with religious people than I do with sinners. It's the same. I'm not trying to be like Jesus. I have more. If I can say this, Lisa has said to me on occasion, she says, our, our lot love you. What she's basically saying is there's a whole world out there that quite, you know, and I'm not bigging my up. That's what you said, haven't you, Lisa? They, they love, you know. But you put me in a room with some other Christians, they can't stand me. <laughs> I'm not sure they're real Christians, actually, by the way, but anyway. <laughs> Because how could you not love this? I mean, come on. Come on. (laughs) And they were not pleased with him and they growled to Jesus going back to the verses. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them. Don't just snack with them. He has a full meal with them. And he treats them like old friends. Can you hear the indignant indignant attitude of them? (laughs) And their grumbling triggered these stories. These stories from Luke 15. I just encourage you to go home. And if you've got your Bible, just look at Luke 15 again. Because that's what the stories he talks about. Lostness. You see, Jesus had a heart to be able to connect with people before he corrected with them. And it also records in Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, this is what Jesus said of himself, but the son of man goes around eating and drinking and you say, that man eats and drinks too much. He is even a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The worst people of the day, Jesus was friends of. Can we just think today, what would, what would, what would um, you know, connect the tax collectors and uh, with what kind of group? If I can say this, probably drug dealers. Probably drug dealers. Traffic wardens. I apologise if you're a traffic warden. I get your point. I think for my story, I'll stick with drug dealers if that's alright. Is that okay? Seriously though, seriously though, I'm not... Jesus wasn't advocating the, the tax collector... He wasn't saying that these are great people for what they're doing. And neither am I with a drug dealer using the illustration. But the point is, how are you going to bring change to somebody's life if you don't first connect with them? There's always a reason why people behave the way they do. There's always a reason. And Jesus understood that. And he thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to bring change to Zacchaeus 
unless I have a meal with him. And as a result of Jesus connecting with them, there was change that happened in these people's lives. Many people were constantly, the religious people were questioning who Jesus was because of the company that he kept. They couldn't get his head around it. And I've already said lost people love Jesus. If you're lost here this morning, tell you what, you'd love Jesus. I had a moment again, just while I was in worship, the finished work of God, God just accepts me as I am. Because I'm not finished. And yet his, his work is finished over me, if that makes sense. And he just receives me. He just washed over me again. It is amazing. It's amazing grace. Now let me be clear. Jesus never, because I want to move quickly to, because I've got two other things I want to say. Jesus never compromised himself or his message, but he was different. That's often what we do in the sake of being trendy and relevant and contemporary. We compromise ourselves. So we start behaving like everybody else behaves. We start speaking like everybody else. We start acting like giving it large like everybody else. And we don't have to be like that. We just have to be us. I realise that when I go down to that factory hub, the guys are not not, uh, at Belfield. They're not wanting me to be like them. They're wanting me to be different. They're looking for something different. What's the point of me being like them? They want to get out of that lifestyle. They want to get out of that change. A lot of them. So why do they want to connect with somebody who's behaving just like them? And if I can say this challenge to those who are Christians, we should be different. We should live different. We should speak different. We should act different because we are different. We are different. Jesus has done a work in our lives and he's doing a work in our lives. That doesn't mean to say that we're perfect. And of course, we do get it wrong. I understand that. Are you hearing me this morning? But we're different. So Jesus never, ever compromised. Never compromised his stance. Never compromised his message. Never compromised his message. And yet people love Jesus. They followed him around. They they weren't just amazed by his miracles. They were amazed by the man. They couldn't get over his love and his warmth. They couldn't get over that he would want to sit with them. That you would want to sit with me. Because I know me. I don't know whether I'm sharing next week or or what, but if we do, I'm going to talk about lost in wonder or lost the wonder. Because I think we lose the wonder of the message of Jesus in our lives. I think many of us who've been saved for many, many years, we can just get lost in all the other stuff. And we have to strip it all back to that fine when Jesus met with us. And we just knew we 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 were in a mess. This morning you might feel like you're in an utter mess. And Jesus just wants to meet with you. He just wants to sit with you. He doesn't want to slam you. He doesn't want to bell you. He doesn't want to thrash you. He just wants to sit with you. And I think we've got it wrong in churches. We presented a wrong Jesus, a wrong picture of who Jesus is. And as we connect with Jesus, and as Jesus connects with us, then he will correct us. Then he will correct us. Because there are things that need to change in all of our lives. Let me move on. Secondly, if we're going to be prepared, we've got to connect with people and we've got to share our story with people. Share our story with people. I want to just take you to Philippians in chapter 2 and verse 15 and 16, if I may. Because there what it says is, go out into the world, this uncorrupted, uh, sorry, go, go out into this world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. It's interesting, this was wrote, you know, 
thousands of years ago, a couple of thousand years ago, and yet the reality is this still applies today. In fact, I think, dare say, it's probably become more squalid and more polluted. But then he goes on to say, because it's a negative, then, then there's hope. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. I love that. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and the living God. People should look on at us as Christian people and say, I want what they have. You are living so well, Jay. You are living so well, Adam. I want what you have. And as they look at us and they see how well we live, then it points them immediately to the living God. Are you hearing me this morning? Even when trouble can be hitting our lives, people look on and they see the trouble that's hitting our life, Tracy. And now you navigate your way through that trouble and they say, I want what she has. Because how is she able to navigate the trouble that she's facing and yet still have a smile on her face and joy in her heart? I want what she has. It becomes so attractive. And this is how we begin to share our story. We share it with how we live and we also share it with how we speak. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 it says this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be a witness. Everybody say a witness. I heard Chris Hodges say this recently about this particular verse and I loved it and I'm just going to use just a couple of comments that he made. Because of course the word witness is, is straight out of court. It's court language. You know what you do if you're a witness. You've seen something, you've heard something, and you are now telling the judge what you have seen and heard. Yes, that's the true thing of a witness. And yet many of us don't take the word witness. We take the other words of court. We take the judge. And so we judge people. Or we take the prosecutor, and we prosecute people. Or we take the defendant. And we try and defend this message. This message doesn't need defending. We are called not to judge, not to prosecute, not to defend. We are called to witness. All Jesus is asking you to do is tell people what you've seen, what you've experienced, and what you felt. That's all he's asked you to do. And he will do the rest. You receive that. That is wonderful stuff. That's wonderful stuff. About eight of you believe that, I can see. But uh... You see, how do we tell our story? Somebody said to me, I remember in a business context, that actually they call it the elevator pitch in the business world. And he's nodding his head. And what they basically say is that you take the Americanism of the elevator and in two minutes you've got to be able to tell people your business plan or what you wanted to do in this business or what you wanted to do in your life within two minutes. Here's an application, I'll do this now in case I forget it at the end. I think every one of us who know Jesus should be able to should practice this. So we're able in two minutes succinctly tell people the difference that Jesus made in our lives. You see, my story was this. I was born in a Christian home. My mum and dad raised me well. But at the age of 11, I was just doing what all ordinary, normal 11-year-olds were doing, playing football, and I was starting to get into girls. I know I was young, but there we are. I'm messing around. And I went to a church service. I hadn't done anything bad. I'd never shoplifted. I'd never took drugs. I'd never got drunk. It just wasn't how I'd, how I'd lived my life. I hadn't smoked. All the normal boyish things. Not done any of those things at that, at that point. None of them at all. And yet I knew as this man began to speak. 
I knew that actually going to church wasn't going to save me. I knew that reading my Bible wasn't going to save me. And I knew even praying wasn't going to help me. I knew even actually putting my little tithe in off my spending money wouldn't help me. None of it would save me. Because the Bible says that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you can only get to, uh, to God through Jesus. Not through good works, not through praying, not through even going to church. And at the age of 11, I recognized that I needed Jesus in my life. My life has never been the same again. How long has that taken me? That's it. I there's more you could put up, but that's it. That is, we've got to start to understand that we need to prepare ourselves to share our stories with people. Somebody said this, your life as a believer should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. And thirdly, not only do we need to connect with people, not only do we need to share our story, but I think this is a very big one that we need to then thirdly invite them to a place where they can experience God. An encounter with God changes everything. Not an encounter with a guy who's on the platform trying to speak. Not an encounter with a worship band. Not an encounter even with a great welcome. We want to do all those things. An encounter with God changes everything. Changes everything. An encounter with God. And how do I say that? Well, because there's numerous accounts in the Bible of people who had an encounter with God. And there's also many people around this room who've had an encounter with God. There's one particular woman that I'm thinking about though in the Bible that she had an issue with blood. There was ladies problems. And she'd spent all that she had. She must have been fairly well off and comfortable and she'd spent all she'd had to try and solve it and still nothing had worked. And she must have felt drained. She must have felt physically and emotionally drained. But she knew that Jesus was coming through and she'd heard these things, reports about Jesus being a loving man, being a caring man, and also being a worker of miracles. She thought to herself, if only I could get close to him. But the problem was, because he was so good at connecting with people, there was always crowds around him. And she thought, how can I get to him? How could I have a conversation with him? She thought to herself, I don't even need a conversation with him. If I could just touch the edge of his cloak, then something would happen. I'll have an encounter with Jesus just by that. And that's exactly what happened. We read about it in Matthew. She just simply, I mean, she must have felt really, really awful. You ladies, just awful. And just, you know, as she just went to Jesus and she simply reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And as she reached out to him, something happened. Something that was very natural became something very supernatural. So it's interesting. Something as natural as just walking into this building can become a supernatural encounter. Yeah. Lindsay, she was over at Aldi. A life not in great place, wondering what her life was all about. But she, something just said to her, she wasn't even invited. I need to get over to that church. And as she came into this church, she had an encounter with Jesus and her life has never been the same again. I'm looking at a lady on the back row who does a lot of cooking for us. She's in a pink, Therese pink jumper, calf. And she came to this church. She knew a few people, not many. I remember Kath saying to me and seeing Kath, she'd be forever weeping 
on Sunday. She'd come in. You remember, Sunday after Sunday, weeping. Sunday after Sunday, weeping. Remember one time, what's going off? I said, it's just God. And she didn't know what was, but something was happening. What happened was, both these ladies had an encounter with Jesus. Something that was very natural became something that was very supernatural. Many of you could testify to the fact that you came in here and you've had, and you are having an encounter with Jesus. That's what's happening, guys. If you just feel like emotional, what's happening is you're having an encounter with Jesus. Jesus is coming to your life and speaking to you, and he wants to help you because that's how he works. And I really believe that if we want to see transformation and change, we need to connect with people, we need to tell people our story, but we also need to invite them to a place where they can experience God. We do all that we do here in church. We do all that we do here in church by crafting great services, by preparing ourselves in worship, by the guys doing the best songs that they can do, by making sure that we have running orders. We make sure that the car park is swept and clean. We're making sure that there's tea and coffee that's served. We're making sure that the place is, is smelling nice. We're making sure that the toilets are clean. We're making sure that all the kids' church leaders are well-checked and well-trained and well-able. We put a great kids' program in. We also have a great mother and to- baby and toddler kind of area downstairs because we want to make sure that those little babies are connected with. We want to make sure that all the hospitality, all the welcome, all the car parking is all done. Why? We prepare like mad messages like this, and I hope it shows. Why? Because we want to do the very best so people can have an encounter with Jesus. I don't want people to see me. You automatically see me. I want to get beyond me. I don't want you to see the worship, guys. I want you to see Jesus this morning because he's distracted by you. You are a distraction to him if you are lost this morning. As I finish, if you don't have weekly news that comes through, it's because we haven't got your email address If you'd like to receive a weekly encouragement from Arena Church, then I'd encourage you to just give us your details downstairs at the resource hub. Maybe you've changed your email address and you're not now getting them, and we can send them on to you. just so happens that this week, Christine wrote the weekly news, and I was really inspired by it because she tells a story, a story of how she knew the creed, she knew the Ten Commandments, she went to church, religious experience, and yet she was still living a selfish life, getting involved in unhealthy relationships, etc., etc., etc. At the age of 16, this is what she said. I was invited to a Pentecostal church. And then she begins to tell how she was in this church and she had an encounter with the living Jesus. She thought that people were crazy, actually. You might be here this morning thinking, these are utterly nuts. I'm sure Lindsay did. I'm sure Kath did. I'm sure all the guys. What are, they, are, they, are these guys on drugs or something? I mean, they're just... You know, what's going on here? That Josh bouncing around. What's all that about? You know? No, we're not on any of those things. We just had an experience of Jesus. And as she had an experience of Jesus, everything began to change. And she wrote there, and the rest is history. But this is what she then said. I was really challenged by this. As we move into the Christmas season, I asked myself, who do I care enough about to extend an invitation to and bring, me with, bring, me, bring them with me to church. I was, that was like a, 
a dagger in my heart. Who do I care enough about? Who do I care enough about? So I'll tell you this much. Jesus, he's distracted by a lostness. He cares. He's asking us. He's asking us in your world who you're connecting with, who you're sharing your story with, to bring them to an environment where they can experience the living Jesus. We have invitations. We have cards. They're useless after December the 25th. They're utterly useless. They're a waste of money. Yeah, I didn't mean to do that, but they're a waste of money beyond that. (laughs) Waste of money. But we have some great services. And we are very intentional leading why we've done this. Because we don't just want to fill it with you guys. We want to fill it with your friends. We want you to know that we will have prepared ourselves well. You can come without feeling that are they going to be embarrassed. They won't be embarrassed. They'll feel comfortable. You can bring them along. Even the most hardened person, they can come. We're not going to pressure them. We're not going to get in the faces. We're not going to do anything daft. This is a good environment. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray that Jesus would come amongst us very rich and very powerfully in those services and their lives will be changed. So as an application, I'm just asking you, please take those cards. Please take those invitations. Don't just let it sit on your mantelpiece. May it be an opportunity for us all to connect with people and to invite them at this time. May God help us. Do you receive that word? Yes. Receive it into your heart in Jesus' name. I wonder if we'd all bow our heads in prayer.